Welcome to Booked, where two guys tell you about the books they're reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snedden. Uh, this week we are reviewing one of our Patreon picks. So I'll spend a moment and explain what that is for the uninitiated. Um, Patreons at a certain level. Dramatic pause for Rob to tell me what level that is. $10 a month. $10 a month gets to pick a book for us to review. And we really can't say no as long as it, you know, kind of falls into, you know, the category of it's, you know, fiction, it's in English. And that rule even got stretched this time. <laughs> um, and that it's available and the person made it available for us. So um, good friend of the podcast, uh, Jesse, uh, his book pick was Sopranos by Alan Warner. Um, we'll talk about that in in a minute. Um, but what I'm really happy about is that we are fulfilling Patreon obligations like right away this year, like yeah. this one next week, we're doing our other one. And I mean, I guess theoretically, there's still time for you to get your donation up to a level um, that'll allow you to pick a book that we review. I will tell you, spots are filling up quick this year. So I guess that would be the other thing. I mean, at some point, we're not going to have. Oh, yeah, we're going to be at capacity for exactly so for books so and and it's going to happen sooner than uh than it has any other year i think maybe we'll see but uh we've got this one done for sure so we should probably talk about it yeah um one thing i was talking to because usually we offer the opportunity for the the book chooser uh to join us and do the review with us. And Jesse has in the past with other books he's, he's chosen for us this time. He he chose not to. Um, and so you like one of the things I like about when they join us is they can talk a little bit about what inspired them to, uh, share this book or, or, uh, burden us with the book or whatever it happens to be. And, um, so apparently, cause like one of the things is I've never heard of this author, never heard of this book. Um, so it's not like it's, you know, something that was in my sphere of, of, uh, of attention. So I asked Jesse, you know, Hey, what was the inspiration for this particular book? And, um, his answer was just that this is one of his favorite authors and he really enjoyed the story. And, um, it's one of the books that he really enjoys that he doesn't think gets the attention that it deserves. So, um, it was kind of his way of, uh, shedding a little light on, on an author that he really enjoys. So that's a, that's a nice, I think it's a nice reason to, to have us read this. Um, I'm, I agree. I really thought you were going to go down the path of explaining why um, he wasn't reviewing it with us. And I thought you were going to say, cause he responded, I'm not reading that shit. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I didn't actually didn't even think about asking why he chose not to, to join yeah, no, us for fine. this one. Um, I chalk it up to that dude's kind of busy. So yeah, right. Scheduling or whatever. So, um, I do want to start with a little, you know, story. So Jesse was kind enough to, um, get copies or he already had multiple with, with Jesse. He may, if he really likes this book, he may just have four or five copies on his bookshelf. That's a total possibility. Yeah. It's the first time I think ever that I was conscious of carrying a book with the cover, not visible. So I'll give you an example. Like I've been <laughs> uh, lately, it's been cold and stuff. So I've just been eating lunch at work, but I have to go from my office to like to the break room. So I made sure that the cover was turned in towards my body. I don't, and I was thinking about. I don't think I consciously ever thought about if I'm holding a book so that people can see what it is or not. Until this book, and I'll explain why. On the cover is a girl in a Catholic school girl uniform, um, plaid skirt. <laughs> 
a white shirt. The white shirt is unbuttoned, probably three buttons down. It's like pulled out of her skirt and kind of flap it open down at the bottom too. So it's a, it's one of the sexiest covers we've ever said. Now it's about Catholic school girls. So I know I probably said that with a little too much inflection. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that I was actually, I don't know if embarrassed is the right word, but conscious of if people were seeing the cover of this book. Oh, I'm looking that up right now because my cover is different. Um, Oh, I see what you're saying. Is it kind of blurry, blurred out a little bit, like blurry, like motion blurry? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, okay. it's it's the Amazon cover. If you look it up by the one on Amazon, only um, I have classier lettering, at least than the the link that I have pulled up. Got you. So yeah, the one. Um, oh, I can just send you a picture. So mine is a little bit different. Mine is a group of girls in like the back window of a of a bus, and they're all they you know they have like the uniforms on and stuff but it is not nearly as risque i would say as what livius is looking at but i'm going to send him a picture so he can see the much <laughs> less socially you would be way less socially conscious about that yeah Although, like the, I, I mean looking at the one you had i get it because like it could be like oh hey look now i know he's a perv you know not knowing that you're reading literature yeah and I, I gotta tell you, I was 50 pages into this and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. When is Tony Soprano finally going to fucking make an appearance? <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. Yours looks like a campy. Yeah, that's yeah. a completely different. Yeah, never mind. So there you go. Marketing. Um, I'm going to guess that the cover that I have sold more copies. Yeah, mine just looks like, you know. Girls up to no good. Yours looks like girls walk in the streets, maybe yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, well, she's definitely so. on the street. That's that's for sure. So and with that motion blur, definitely looks like she's walking. No, no love <laughs> for my Tony Soprano crack, huh? I, I, no. eh, it was okay. That's all right, all right, okay. I guess now that you say that, though, there could be people who tuned in, excited that we were going to be reviewing a mob book, and are yeah, like sorely disappointed not, now. This is just a mob of teenage Scottish girls. Yeah, they're kind of a mob now that you think about it. But um, all right, so they're just—they're as scary as Tony Soprano's crew. <laughs> um, I'm going to do the bio for uh, our, our boy Alan Warner, which uh, is very short, short and sweet. Um, this is actually the bio from the the hardcover edition that I have, um, which was published in like '98, I think. So this is an old, old—I mean, decades-old bio. Uh, Alan Warner lives in Scotland. His first novel, Morvern Collar, won a Somerset Magam Award. His second, These Demented Lands, was published in 1997. Um, so probably a little bit on the older side, but that's what I'm going with. I will add from the bio that I pulled from Amazon, he lives in Dublin, Ireland. Oh. So I will tell you that nothing has changed other than maybe where he lives <laughs> since you're <laughs> decades old. <laughs> like that's like three little change of scenery for Alan. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here is the synopsis as the choir from our lady of perpetual sucker for girls in rural Scotland is bust into the big city to participate in the national singing finals. Five of the teenage school girls let loose for a night of pub crawling, shoplifting and body piercing. And since a nuclear submarine has just anchored in the bay, the local nightclub will be full of sailors on leave. After a bout of preparatory drinking, the girls are ready for their big night and what a night it will become. 
an outrageous tale of adolescent debauchery, The Sopranos opens the lid on desire and excess in all of its grim glory. I want to read this other part that's, that normally I would cut out of the synopsis just in case we want to talk about this. So, a huge bestseller in England, it is a remarkable mix of near-violent energy and tender compassion and confirms warmer and confirms Warner, the writer, and this is now in quotation marks, who defines the 90s as clearly as Ian McEwen defined the 70s and Jay McInerney the 80s as the best of new Scottish writing. So that was from Salon Magazine. But uh, I remember the 90s pretty clearly, and I'm sure you do too, so I thought maybe there might be some some conversation um, around how representative we thought this was granted slightly different, you know, scenery for us. I, you know, and this is one of the things that, um, uh, I, I definitely was aware of when reading this book is, is that it's, um, it's very, what's the word I'm looking for? It's got its regionality to it. Um, there's, there's lots of things that are very, uh, specific to Scotland that I wasn't super familiar with. Um, and I mean, like, obviously there's a, there's a, a, it's, it's of the time of the nineties, you can tell. Um, but I don't know, like I didn't, I didn't really understand. I'm not familiar with Ian McEwan's work or Jay McInerney's work. So like, um, that particular praise at the end of the synopsis didn't really land too well for me because like, mm-hmm. I didn't understand like where they stood on a global scale, but yeah. So that was a little bit, that was a little lost on me, but as far as like, you, you want to talk more about yeah, the, the just, decade awareness. Yeah. I mean, it may, it may come up through the course of the story. I mean, what I'll, what I'll say right off the bat is um, one of the things I thought about this book is that it felt, um, you know, I don't want to say timeless, but, other than the references to like music and then particular fashion labels and stuff, you know, it didn't scream nineties to me. Right. Um, more, more out of and, time than anything. Yeah. And, and I mean, from a plot standpoint again, and this was written in that time. So, you know, I go back to, well, why is this, you know, like a cell phone obviously would have solved some issues through the course of the story. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But other than that, I didn't, I feel like this could have been today and not had a lot changed except for the name of the, you know, the popular band and the, the, you know, the name of the you know, brand of shoe that a girl was looking at. I felt like, well, honestly, one of the things that could have been different is, and we're kind of putting the cart before the horse here with our discussion, but um, the <clears throat> trying to think of the best way to say this, um, the awareness of the outside world, like um, pre, this is probably pre internet for most. I mean, obviously the late nineties, the internet was pretty ubiquitous, but like, in a small Scottish town, like how much time did any one, you know, resident spend on the internet? So like pre-internet teen angst was probably way different because, um, their understanding of the world was, was less informed. If that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. So I wonder if like an internet connected, uh, group of, of girls, would have a different idea of what going into the city was like. And, you know, like what they would feel less isolated from the world, maybe. So like the, the big adventure wouldn't feel as big or something. That could be, 
that's that's certainly possible. I mean, now that you say that, I think like if it took place today too, there might be fear of um, evidence. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like shit getting yeah. posted on social media. You know, and and you know, it'd be a little different. So maybe they wouldn't have done certain things that they did out of fear of you know. Whatever. I guess we could talk more about that. Yeah, if we need to. But yeah, I just wanted to set up and say that it really it didn't feel like a book that's 30 years old or however long it. You know what I mean? It it didn't feel that way at all. It felt very readable today. Yeah, totally. So um, I guess it was uh, 2000. So it's 20 years old. Um, Yes. So I guess we could talk a little bit about what happens in this book. So the book mainly focuses on. these uh so it's it focuses on a group of um it's a choir at a, a, of a catholic school and uh the story is is based around the idea that um these girls are the day that we're that we're starting to to read the book they're getting ready to go into the city to take part in a competition that's actually going to be on tv and stuff so it's kind of a big deal um and there's uh you know a good list of girls that are going, but the book more or less focuses on five, uh, five girls who are all sopranos. I'm guess like that's like they sing, they they have the same vo- vocal register or whatever. Right. I'm not, They're so not mob- I'm not even up. sure. I'm, I'm not even sure about that. Cause I feel like they were the, the fifth year girls too. Oh, gotcha. so I don't know if that's just the name for the, the top of the food chain like like they're all getting out of school this year so it'd be the equivalent of a high school senior i think here in the united states yeah, yeah. so uh amanda who i think through the most of the book goes by manda then there's shell kyla fiona orla and then there's um obviously there's there's other characters that are big but those are like the the five that we interact with the most and the book basically kicks off it's the beginning of the day and um uh, we know that they're about to go into the city for this uh, this competition, and they're getting prepared. Um, they're getting a little speech from the one of the head nuns about like this is what you, you know, this is what's coming on, this is how it's going to go, and um, and so yeah, the action pretty much kicks off with them preparing to get you know get going into the city for this competition. Yeah, and then we're introduced to um, you know the priest from the school, the nun that's in charge of all of this, and pretty quickly a strict set of rules appears. So as you're taking a ton of teenagers, because it's not just these girls, it's the the whole choir, or multiple groups of choirs, I guess, because they're kind of at different you know different times and stuff that they have to perform. Um, the the ground rules are set. Like you can go out shopping, but everybody has to be back by this particular time for rehearsal. Um, you know, you, you can wear a little makeup cause we're going to be on television, but you can't look like a whore H O O R whore. <clears throat> um, you know, you're, you're to be in your school uniform the whole time, you know, no nail polish. I mean, so basically the kind of mostly very strict Catholic school rules with the leniency of we're going to be on national television. So, you know, you can pretty yourselves up a little bit, but that's it. Um, the first half of the book essentially maybe first half a little less than the first half is a mix of that trip to the city um with sprinkled in flashbacks of situations that these girls had previously been in or 
stories about a friend of theirs, something that occurred. So there's this kind of back and forth, but it's not rigid. It's not like this one chapter's then and this chapter's now, which we've seen in you know numerous books that we've reviewed here on the podcast. Yes, this is more of a um, intersprinkled stories that, I mean, I would have to imagine are reflective of small town culture in Scotland in the 90s. Um, so I felt like every pretty much every story that was told um, at least had some kind of was some type of social commentary. Would you agree with that? I mean, there weren't stories that seemed to be told just for fun. Most of them kind of had a poignant yeah, and I really took it as like um, uh, these group of girls are all they have a plan. We'll we'll flesh that out a little bit. Um, so we know what they're about to do, and we know what their goal is for for this little trip. Um, this is just to kind of build characterization for the individual characters, so that we we know oh this one is the naughty one, and this one is the whatever. Like, kind of builds up their past life to get to give them like uniqueness. But also, mm-hmm. yeah, to like typify, like this is <laughs> this is what they came up in, um, which you know obviously sounds a little stifling and a little bit boring and and all this stuff. And they're they're kind of tired of the Catholic nonsense, and they're you know they're they're teenagers full of energy, and they have to like live in a tiny town where like the most exciting thing is because it's a port town, a submarine you know comes into the port or whatever, so. <laughs> Um, <laughs> dude, can I can I stop for a second? Because I, I don't even know if I was planning it. Let's talk about this fucking submarine. I'm not even clear on why this is in the fucking story, if I'm being honest. I mean, I get that there's the 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 seamen are coming ashore kind of situation. Right. But it's like I kept thinking <laughs> at some point this is going to turn into like an episode of 24 or it's going to fucking end with some kind of terrorist attack like this this nuclear submarine hovering in the background of this story <laughs> made me nervous for like no fucking reason at all. <laughs> and, and that's not to spoil the book. All I'm saying is when you throw in a nuclear submarine, this is almost like if you reveal a gun in the first act, you have to use it in the third act. I feel like if you introduce a <laughs> nuclear submarine. Uh, there should be something further related <laughs> to that fucking submarine somewhere down the road. Am I am I completely off base on this? Um, I don't know. Like, I guess uh, I get your point, and it's valid. I wonder. Um, I was just under the impression that like this type of port town just gets submarines from time to time, so it's like the one exciting thing that happens to them. I don't know. Could be. Um, so yeah, for the first, the first half of the book is, is essentially, as Rob had said, like the plan gets laid out and, and their plan is what the plan of every, and I don't know that they ever even touch on how old each individual girl is, but I, I think we'll say 17, right? I think that's a safe 17, 18, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, the, 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 general yeah. Plan, yeah. the general plan is to fucking shop in these cool stores that they never get to go into, um, and, and to, to hit the bars, which again, might be indicative of the time. I think that today it might be a little harder for 17-year-olds to get into a bar um, than maybe it was in the 90s. When, uh, you know, in the early 90s, I was going into bars when I was 17, and and now I I think it's probably a little harder to do that. Um, And to to get completely fucking shit-faced. I mean, their plan is is flawed in that they they do still have to go perform by, like, 8 p.m. or whatever time. So, I 
all along that I, I knew obviously the, the only way there's a story here is for for shit to go wrong right for shenanigans to ensue right um but yeah that's their plan is we're gonna do some shopping we're gonna split up we're all gonna meet you know at this particular place but yeah we're gonna go get shit faced we're gonna go sing um if we win we get to stay the night in a huge fancy hotel here in the big city um if we lose we're going back to find out about this nuclear submarine um or really you know to hang out with dudes that'll be ashore so that's a. Uh, that's their plan, and I think that pretty much sums up the first half of the book. I mean, the I would have emphasized trying to get laid a little bit more. Um, that's um, yeah. That I'm sorry. Yes, that is also <laughs> that is also part of it. And that's uh, that was one of the things that I, I picked up real quickly. Um, and maybe it's just because I didn't really I was never a teenage girl. Um, I don't know how teenage girls think and feel about sex but this particular group of young scottish girls um pretty obsessed with the idea of of hooking up and making out and um and stuff like that uh and and that's <laughs> that's a pretty common theme throughout the book is um, i was gonna save this next particular thought for the end okay. you know but <laughs> i i and i'm not saying this the way it sounds i'm just wondering this fucking alan warner sounds a lot like a dude right and I thought, man, he's spending a lot of time inside the mind of teenage girls. And and I kind of, to touch on what you said, like I was wondering about the, the accuracy. Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying uh, culturally appropriated Scottish girls or anything dumb like that. I, I was just, I was thinking the same thing. Like, is this just a dude writing what he thinks? Yeah. And in my mind, I was thinking um, that it, 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 even if it's exaggerated, it's just that like, these are small town girls who are just looking for something bigger or they have an idea of what like people from the big city act like. And that's what they're trying to act like. Like it's a, you know, a small town girl kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but also there is an epidemic in town of pregnant teenage girls, <laughs> which comes up um, a, a lot throughout the book, but one of those flashbacks, and not so much a flashback, but they're talking to a girl who, who you know, had to drop out of school and stuff. And there's a, you know, she she goes on to recount like what visits down to the um, like postnatal care center are like. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there's an actual head count as to how many girls in town are pregnant that are teenagers. So, again, I'm not sure how prevalent that was in small Scottish towns in the 90s. Um, but it took up a good portion of the book if it wasn't. You know what I mean? Not that there were dozens and dozens of pages spent on it. It just came up frequently enough that I, I got the feeling that that was a message. Like, we were supposed to take note of that. Yeah, and and, uh, and it was kind of, it was pitched as, like, if you don't go to college, you just try to get pregnant by the best guy possible so that, like, your life is, is better than it could be. Like, you don't want to get pregnant by some loser. You want to get pregnant by, like, the 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 up and comer kind of, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's the setup of the book. Bunch of horny girls want to go into the city and use this, uh, uh choir trip as an excuse to, to shop and, and, and drink and, and basically just go wild and do city stuff. Um, and you know, so the trip starts, they get into the city and yeah, it's, it's set up funny because they drive into the city and then there is a gap of time between when they arrive and when they have to sing and they're let loose. Like, this is the worst planning ever. These nuns 
don't know what they're doing. They're let loose on the city for several hours and then expected to show back up um, at a specific time so that they can prepare and then sing on TV. Um, and that's where <laughs> like all of the plans start just going going crazy and um, and all of the, the shenanigans and stuff uh, kick into high gear. Yeah, and for me, that's um, that's really where, where the book um, improved a lot. So I'll go back and touch on on some things that, that we haven't covered, uh, and that's uh, that's language. Yeah. Do you think that all books written in you know Scotland or you know what I mean or Scottish setting books? Do you think all of them are like this? Uh, so. Uh... I have no idea is my legitimate okay. answer, but I have some thoughts. Um, so when I say like this, I guess I should explain for, for everybody else. Um, this book is written uh, with a ton of Scottish dialect and and what I'm going to assume is Scottish slang, which makes it really, really difficult at times. Um, not just that it trips up like the reading pace. Um, but there are, you know, I, I probably should next time I have to do something like this, I'm going to actually keep track of how many times I like reread a sentence or a paragraph like two or three times. I was like, yep, no fucking idea what this means. I'm just going to move on because I've clearly missed either a social reference or something that's uh, um, going on. And I just I took a picture of one page, one page. This is mostly so I could show people what I was suffering through. Um, am fucking in so I am, but uh, bust my boot. You're gonna huff, watch yourself. And like three of those words, four of those words are spelled the way they would be spelled in a book we read last week or next week, likely. Um, it, really, really tough at times to read. And mostly it was the dialogue. I don't think that like the descriptive parts um, of the book were really. Uh, too much that way but man was that fucking tough um yeah and i was thinking about this because we came down real hard on uh, irvine welsh's a decent ride um mm-hmm. but he fucking leaned into the scottishness of of that book it was obvious that like he was like really excited about you know making this his book as fucking Scottish as possible. Whereas like you said, um, dialogue was, um, was harder to, to follow, but the narrative pieces read pretty easily. Um, it was not very difficult. The only times like in a narrative piece, I really felt like I had any trouble was if it was like a, like a, a cultural thing that was just unfamiliar to me, I would say. Um, yeah, and that that came up a lot. And like I said, those are ones where I'd read it again. And I'd be like, nope, there's no chance I'm getting whatever they're talking about here. Yeah, it's outside of my <laughs> knowledge area. Right. Like, yeah. So here's the question: uh, Is it the fault of the book for being inaccessible, or is it the fault of us being from a different region reading something? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, so, yeah, it's Jesse's fault <laughs> because, like. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I, I thought a lot about that. And I'm going to give it one further push. So I'm going to put it back on the book. 
if you're going to do that, the very fucking least you could do is give us quotation marks. All right. Yeah, there's there. All right. Um, I can't defend the lack of quotation marks because um, it, it is it does add a little chaos to the situation where um, in addition to just trying to understand the basic dialectical differences, um, you do have to figure out, oh, someone's talking. So, well, and not even so much that as like even how he prefaced dialogue would be things like Finola, however you pronounce that. It would be like Finola goes, I am we, you know what I mean? Like it, it was like, I don't know how to explain it. Like it wasn't like, and then so and so said, mm-hmm. you know, like even the, the areas around dialogue were, were dialect heavy. Sure. Yeah. Um, a ca- very casual. Yep. Um, it, yeah. And I find that because I thought one of my all time favorite books also has no quotation marks. Are you familiar with which one I'm talking about? You're talking about Kiss Me Judas? Talk about Kiss Me Judas. And I thought really hard about this. <clears throat> I am not sure that there are at least many parts. I, there, there's maybe no parts in Kiss Me Judas where there's three way dialogue. So if you have two way dialogue, that's much easier to pick up on mm-hmm. when you only have two characters. Like in this case, there were some times where there were six girls having a conversation. Yeah. And it was just fucking chaos. I gave up on like trying to figure out who's saying what and just trying to get that. They're all saying this thing and trying to like get the gist of what they're saying without even trying to figure out who's making the statements. Fair. Yeah. There were some parts where I found it, but, um, much like uh, you said that the second half of the book was kind of where it picked up a little bit for you. I feel like the longer we spent with the characters, the easier it was to understand who was saying what, like I didn't really have as much problem with dialogue later in the book as I did in the beginning. I think that goes to the fact that they all broke off and there was two groups of two girls and one group of three girls, which made it a little simpler to to follow. Sure, That's yeah, totally a possibility. Um, So yeah, um, it did. Uh, it it was a little choppy when it came to um, understand like comprehension of dialogue, but also like I hate to say it like this, but recognition of when there was dialogue. <laughs> However, um, and Livius can see all of my scores already, so he'll know uh, my general feeling about this. Like I feel that the core story and the uh, the charm of the the individual characters really um overcame a lot of my object minor objections to um the comprehension issues i had early on because i mean uh, so much fun to read the individual situations and then the small you know the smaller pieces that built up to the bigger plot um and i really think that that's like the the strength of the book is that these girls are fun and they're interesting and they're funny. And, um, that made it, uh, easy for me to want to push through and, and to see what happened next. Um, uh, you know, yes, by and large, I, I agree with, with everything you, you said there. I don't know if it overcomes my objections. I guess that's the part that I don't, that I still don't have an issue with. Um, do is there anything more we want to talk about or because I feel like we're heading into wrap ups? 
Uh, I have some general observations. Sure. Um, as I was just saying, with the the, the characters being being charming and fun, um, I, one thing that I like about um, the book in particular is that the plot isn't super complicated. It's basically what we told you. These girls have a competition. They've got their own agenda for what they want to do while they're there. And along the way, you know, they they probably learn about each other, learn lessons about themselves in ways that they probably weren't expecting on a night of just fucking around in the city. Um, and so the plot's ambition is is pretty basic. And that allows you to just live in what's going on with the characters. And, and the other thing I think that, that worked really well was in the first half of the book, as we were seeing the, the trip take place and, and it was a little bit flashback heavy to kind of like flesh out the characters. Um, it set you up for understanding the changes or revelations that they were going to have later in the book. Well, so even though it was like more of a slog and less like fun action in the first half of the book, all of that flashback kind of characterization really pays off for the action that happens later in the book. I am kind of wrapping up, but like, I just wanted to point out that like, I feel like the structure, while it felt a little bit segmented almost from the first part to the second part, uh, helps pay off a lot of the action that happens in the later part of the book. It's the only thing I'd like to mention as an, as an observation is, um, <laughs> of course this isn't universal, I know I probably said it here on the podcast. Like, I don't like books that take place out in the wilderness. Um, <laughs> I do really like books that are the short story. And by that, I mean, this book takes place over the course of 24 hours, 26 hours, maybe. Yeah. I guess we don't know what time it starts, but it starts at the beginning of one day and wraps up the next morning. Um, typically, when I encounter a book like that, I, I really like that format. Now, obviously, the story can be shit or whatever, but I do fall very favorably into the the you know we'll call the one day story versus a story that drags out over weeks, months, or, or whatever. Because I think it's uh, I think it takes a talented writer, talented storyteller. Let's go that route. A talented storyteller to give you three hundred plus pages that take place in twenty four hours. Um, and I tend to like some of my favorite books, um, follow that formatting. Um, and that did that here that he, he took that, which for me was, was probably a big bonus, um, that maybe helped, you know, overcome a little bit of the, the other issues. So you like the breakfast club books? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, my, my favorite, uh, well, I guess my, well, no, that one too. Um, my two favorite Richard Layman books are like that. They're both one day books. Yeah. So Night in the Lonesome October and um, The Traveling Vampire Show, both of them. And that's one of the things I love about them is that this you get to meet the character. And by the end, you feel like you know the character, but only one day has gone by. Yeah. Uh, we can jump into wrap ups. Um, why don't you go first if you're if you're ready? I am ready. So I am going to touch on a little bit of our scoring system as I do this. So. Um, one of the ones that I scored, two of the ones I scored very low on one, I'll just say now language, right? So perhaps difficult to understand for non-Scottish folks and maybe even for some of them, because it also occurred to me at some point that there might be people in Scotland who don't talk like that. And maybe they're not as familiar with it like we're not. 
So I don't know that to be uh, the case. So um, audience and and um, language kind of gave it the same score, which was a four. Um, there's two ways to look at the audience for this one. The content's a little risque, so I don't know if teenage girls out for a sex romp is for um, for everybody. <laughs> and then the language can make it really tough for some folks. So I gave it super low, the lowest audience um, or the lowest scores I've given a book this year, I think, for language an audience what i really did like is these characters and i didn't like them a ton through the first half of the book but like i said once they split off and they're in the city and we kind of see that's where to me i kind of felt that the their individual directions like what they were trying to do really came to the forefront and they became people that i um uh, could understand in some cases sympathize with in some cases be annoyed by like, like real people, like, like as soon as their motivations were revealed and, you know, I know we said early on their motivations were to get fucked up and do some shopping and get laid. But as you really get in to get to know them a little better, you kind of see where this stuff is coming from and what specifically they're looking for. And I really found the second half of the book, you know, minus language and stuff to in, in quotation marks to, to be really enjoyable. Um, I really disliked the first half of this book. I was really, really bored. I was frustrated with with trying to overcome the the language gap. And as I said before, these group conversations on a bus where I have no idea who's fucking saying what. And then that made me not care what they were saying. But the second half really, uh, it really shifted once they got to the city and, and got away from um, the rest of the class. Um, I like the plot um, well enough. It's the one day story format. That's it's a favorite of mine. Um, so that that again helped. And then the tone. I struggle with the tone. I actually changed the score because <laughs> I thought I mean, my note actually says, I mean, I guess he was trying to get a Scottish tone and he succeeded. Right. Because I'll think of this as a Scottish book whenever I think about it. So if that's what he was going for, he did a good job there. Um, my scores are a little all over the place. Uh, probably a wider spread than I've had in the previous uh, was it three books now that we've used this for, and uh, that came out to a five point eight eight out of ten. All right. Um, Can I say one more thing? Yeah, I actually read the um, the synopsis for Morvern Caller, the mm -hmm. the other book that he read, and I thought, God damn it, this sounds great. And I was like, oh, wait, it probably doesn't have quotation marks and it probably has a lot of Scottish speak. So I'm not going to read it. Do you need um, do you need a, an, a Scottish to American translation of this? Book? I mean, uh, look, I'll, I honestly i I'll be super honest with you. If this was translated into English or however <laughs> we want to say that, right? <clears throat> There's a comedian on a Netflix special that I was watching over the weekend. I mean, it was less, whatever. And he said, I'm so American. I go to other countries and refer to them as foreigners. So I, I'm doing that right here. If this was translated into English, I honestly think I would have enjoyed it more and it probably would have scored significantly higher. So, all right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm going to come out a little sunnier on this book than Livius. Although I will say that like, uh, all things considered, um, the 5.88 is pretty good. It's not a bad, it's not a terrible score. Um, I'm, I'm scoring it higher. My, I'm going to come out right at the beginning and say, this is an eight out of 10 for me. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to lean on the things that I think are good about this book. Um, the characters are just charming and entertaining. And I really loved reading about them as the book goes on. You know, they get a little bit more depth and they get a little bit more um, 
uniqueness to to themselves but um throughout the entire book from the very beginning i I mean like i want to say i'm gonna open up the i'm gonna open up the book and and look at like the first page as part of my thing um like even from the first page there you know uh or, or the first few pages you could tell that this is kind of a raunchy group of of girls who like to have fun and everything so like from the very beginning um the characters had a had a very strong feel to them, so uh, definitely lent to enjoying the book. Um, the plot, like I mentioned before, was nice because it was very uncomplicated. Um, it had a, a simple setup, and um, it was made very clear what these girls wanted to do. And then it just kind of fleshed out with you know their individual experiences and 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 stuff along the way, and it let it have plenty of room to breathe. And then just have these cool individual moments. There are so many individual moments in this in this plot that are just entertaining as hell. Uh, and um, Livia, me and Livius, especially with books that are a little bit tougher to get through, will communicate where we're at a little bit more frequently throughout. Like, you know, I'm on page X or whatever. I plan to get through 70% tonight or whatever. So we were doing that. I was reading this book and I, and I told him where I was going to stop for the night uh, the other night. And he said, well, if you're getting that far, just, you know, keep going a little bit further because around this page, something really funny happens. And so, you know, I pushed on and man, there's this whole thing about calling a taxi that um, is is just uh, just God, it was so funny. And um, I don't want to break in on your thing. It's it was it was amazing. I mean, this that really (laughs) lifted up my my thoughts on this book. Those three pages were fucking gold. Yeah. And so uh, like the plot I gave a 10 because of things like that. That scene was great. there was a part where like they're setting off fireworks in some random dude's apartment. Um, There's a lot of shenanigans. They're trying to break into a bar that they got bounced out of because they weren't old enough. Um, All of the little antics that they get up to were just fucking entertaining. Um, And because there were such, you know, enjoyable characters, I was just like, I could read this, you know, endlessly. Um, so very, very strong plot. And I actually took tone in a different direction. Livius was talking about how it's definitely a Scottish tone. And I agree with that, but, um, I, I took the tone more as like, um, this marauding group of, of like Hellraisers like descending upon a town. And, um, you know, so the tone of it was like almost their attitude and their feeling and then their group dynamic is how I took the tone of the book. So I took it a little differently and I really enjoyed that. Um, another random moment there was <laughs> at the school, there's a bird and the bird gets loose at one point And then the bird comes back later in the book. And man, it's just like, there's, like I said, a lot of these individual moments contribute to um, making a very entertaining book out of really what it is. Just like a, a very simple plot. Um, the things I scored a little bit lower, um, would be language. Obviously there was like a little bit, there's some misses on that for me and, um, narrative, the, the structure of when there was a flashback to, uh, an earlier part in one of the girls lives was a little messy at times. And so, um, for example, I'm just making this up, but like it would go from me in the present day saying something to a flashback to Livius experiencing something, you know, a couple of years ago 
to uh, Livius in the present day saying something. Um, and, and, and so it was a little bit sloppy and it was not as easy as maybe it could have been for me to jump from my um, understanding of what was going on from one thing to the next. So that, that took a little bit of a hit for me, but like, honestly, the characters, like the, the plot approach and just the attitude of, of this group of girls made it a very enjoyable book for me. So yeah, eight, eight, eight out of 10. I don't know that this is spoiling anything, and I guess I should have mentioned this. I also found it um, really endearing that all the other girls at school basically got into some kind of trouble. We'll call it off screen. <laughs> like there's that part where they stop at the police station to use the yeah. phone, and they find out that like everybody else is... there's just been school girls running in and out of there all day. Like so, <laughs> which. You know, because like you said, you're like they're the troublemakers, but really, there's there's ten other stories, right? <laughs> that, yeah. that you didn't see that happened on that day. Yeah, that's it, probably equally as entertaining. Yeah, it would be like if if like you saw a picture of someone breaking into a house, but if you zoom out and there's like crazy looting going on in an entire city, yep. like it was that kind of thing. Yep. yep. Yeah. All right, one Patreon pick down, um, Jesse. Thanks for making your pick early, and thanks for making it available. Um, so that was, uh, that, that's, uh, yeah. Yeah. I like this Alan Warner dude. Um, uh, you know, cultural and language, uh, differences aside, I feel like the, the heart of what the story was is, is really great. So, um, did you notice before we, so I want to, I want to say this before we step away from the Sopranos, uh, did you notice the movie? I'm going to go with no. So in 2019, a movie came out called Our Ladies. Oh, and, no shit. Yeah. In 1990, Scotland, a group of Catholic schoolgirls gets an opportunity to go to Edinburgh for a choir competition, but they're more interested in drinking, partying, and hooking up than winning the competition. Our Ladies? Yeah, it's called Our Ladies. Do I have to get this on one of those adult sites? <sighs> Probably. Because um, I the feel hubs. like that's where this was. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But I, I was going to try and watch this before we uh, did this review. Didn't get a chance to, but I think I'm still going to check it out because um, I, I watched the trailer and the trailer looks like it's, you know, pretty faithful to what was going on in the book. So, uh, you know, I'm going to check it out just for the sake of checking it out. Um, and now, now that you say that, like two more things come to mind. Um, it, and I know there, I know that the group I'm talking about is Irish, but have you seen Dairy Girls? No, but I know you, you've mentioned it. Yeah. I like Dairy Girls. Same same issues. No quotation marks in the TV show and language that's hard to understand. <laughs> um, but I kept thinking, like, even that's a modern show. Like, it takes place, like, today. But I kept th – no, actually, I take that back. I think that also that takes place in maybe the 80s or 90s. Hmm. Um, but I kept thinking, like, these are the slightly grown-up versions because those girls are, like, 12 and 13. <laughs> so oh, in my yeah. mind, I was picturing, like, that gang from that TV show as these characters – just slightly older and then what the fuck scotland forward the word forward did you catch that fwd forward twice no. in the book oh yes. really yes how did i fwd uh... now and this was not written this yeah. was this was part of the like descriptive yeah wow no didn't catch that 
Yeah, that's just fucking <laughs> weird. Like, I get the, the, you know, instead of I, it's A-H, ah, right. you know, like, I'm, uh, you know, instead of I'm going to. Right. Um, but fuck, man, that's just a straight up abbreviation, which was just so fucking weird. Huh. Wow. Good catch. That's that's yeah. crazy. Um, anything else about this or we want to talk about what our our next Patreon pick is? We can cover our next Patreon pick if you'd like. All right. So, uh, friend of the podcast and permanent um, holiday host, co-host, Missy Bennett, is um, our next Patreon selector. And she has chosen Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. She chose Recursion uh, as her 2019 pick, and we really enjoyed that. And so now... Uh, yeah, we're going to do Dark Matter. We may, have, we may have mentioned that before. Now that I'm saying that, it sounds like we may have mentioned it on the podcast before. But uh, that's what we'll be reviewing in our next episode. I like Misty. She goes with the safe picks. She, Yeah, well, yeah, Jesse's been a dark horse lately, or more yeah. more so mm-hmm. than Misty. I, have to, I would have to agree. Um, anything else going on? Uh... I've been I'm caught up on that TV show The Outsider. Have you been watching any of that? Not even a little bit. You, are you aware of what it is? Uh it is based on a Stephen King book and that's really all I know. Yeah. So I sent a message to um Jesse and Misty recently that said cuz it's 6 episodes in and I don't know how many of the episodes there are. There's probably 10 or 12 or whatever. Um so it's 6 episodes in now and I sent the message where I said it's at the point in a TV show where it goes from interesting mystery to disappointing bullshit. <laughs> um, like it's oh, at, no. it's at that, like, you know, you don't know what the monster is and now you're starting to figure out what the monster is. So like now the monster has the ability to be a disappointment, like, you know, not living up to expectations. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't gotten there yet, but like this episode is probably the, the turning point to, yeah, there's 10 episodes in the season and, I just watched episode six. So there's four episodes left. Um, and it's to the point where um, the people investigating are basically right there. So something's going to happen. And um, I'm just worried that it's not going to be as good as I want it to be. <laughs> once like the monster confronts the, the, you know, the people trying to stop the monster kind of thing. So. Yeah. I, um, I, I my intention was just to watch it once it's done. Yeah. You know, instead of watching it weekly. So I mean I'll I guess I'll see what reviews I know early reviews, including yours, were fucking great. Yeah, it's so it's, I mean people it's, really love the first few episodes. Definitely an interesting series because like the, the premise at the very beginning is 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 unique enough. Like, you know, a guy gets you know uh a kid gets killed. It's evidence shows it's this guy, but then there's also evidence that shows it's not the guy. And that's a cool thing because like you have video evidence that contradicts other video evidence and you have to figure out what the hell's going on. So it started out, um, with like, yeah, like some real promise to it. And I will say that like the cast is just killing it. Ben Mendelsohn is the, uh, the main, um, like cop and he, and he's, I always thought like he would be limited because he has this like really obvious speech impediment. And so like, I I was always, every time I saw him in something, I'm like, Oh man, this guy's never going to be a lead. They're never going to let the guy with the speech impediment, you know, take the charge of something, but they did with this one. And he is a great actor. 
Interesting. Yeah, I look forward to this wrapping up and hearing what you thought about the series overall. Yeah. <clears throat> Keeping it in the family. Um, I did watch all of Lock and Key on Netflix. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Lock and Key is a Netflix um, live action series that is based on, um, I think it's a series of graphic novels um, that were written by Joe Hill, son of Stephen King. Um, I, I liked it. Um, I, I didn't really know what to expect. I, I knew they were a comic book, but I, I never paid any attention to what the storyline is. So I would say it's probably like the closest thing to like Stranger Things that I've seen. Okay. Like think that vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, the story essentially is about a uh, a mother and her three children. So oldest is like a like an older teen uh, adult boy the followed by a younger teen girl and then like i don't know maybe like a 10 year old um son uh move back to their father's uh family's home which has been um unlived in for years it's a it's a it's called the key house and it's a giant um basically mansion um in i don't know somewhere on the east coast uh, but there's uh there's there's history there and there are weird things going on around the house um, I will say one of the most uh, a villain that I liked a lot, um, one of the villains I've liked the most in recent memory um, in this in the form of uh, I'm not going to say in what form the, the the bad guy in quotation marks is awesome. So um, I enjoyed it. It's totally <laughs> worth a watch. It's not super deep. It's not super scary. There's some really interesting things at play um, in the story. Um, but totally worth a watch. But like I said, it, it, it's, you know, if you like Stranger Things, I, I think you'll like this. I didn't really care for Stranger Things. In which case, you know, you might be a bad person. That's uh, I mean, that's a big leap, but. Um, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I just, I'm just saying that's, you know, I mean, I look, I have a weird relationship with stranger things. Like I like the second season better than the first and I didn't really care that much for the third season. So I wouldn't say I love stranger things. I mean, I thought it was all right. I'll watch another season when it pops up, but you know, it's not something I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. Um, I want to jump in with a book, uh, a book purchasing update, which we, you know, we used to do key page updates. This is a key collection update. Um, I haven't really hit necessarily a milestone, although actually let me do a little quick math. One, two, three. Yeah, I guess of the 269 books, no, 200, eh, I think it's over 270 now books that we uh, have reviewed on this podcast because I have to update my little sheet here. Um, I have and even 200 actually now that Livius says he's got a book for me. So I'm going to be breaking mm-hmm. two, 201. Um, so I am hot on the heels of finishing up this collection and having a physical copy of almost every book we've ever uh, reviewed on the podcast. So uh feeling pretty good about that. And I'm not like dumping tons of money into it. I'm not going insane. Um, I'm finding little deals here and there and, and keeping it thrifty. So I feel pretty good about that. It's really impressive, dude. That's that's really cool. It's I'm gonna still... be an eight foot bookshelf uh, filled, like eight well, feet by like four feet. Sure, it is right now. Yeah, and then as the podcast continues. Oh man, 
like like this project isn't over until we stop doing the podcast. That's the thing. Like I know you feel like there's a sense of it, and there will be because at some point you'll be a hundred percent caught up, and then it'll be just acquiring a book. Getting every the week. new book, yeah. Well, here's what I say then: um, if you're not already, Patreon.com/slash/booked. Um, Two dollars a month is twice as much as one dollar a month, um, and what I'm getting at is I'm going to need a bigger apartment at some point to to fit all these books in. So um, that money's got to come from somewhere. So if you want to help get Rob into a better place to to store his books, ten dollars a month, twenty dollars a month, a thousand dollars a month, but realistically, a dollar a month gets you access to um, our our spoiler talk for books, which um, we've got dozens and dozens of of examples of that um going on and sometimes we do this other weird we've done other special content which i kind of forget about and then i remember like uh if i don't know if you remember livius we posted us doing audiobooks of short stories that Mm -hmm. we that we wrote that's on there somewhere that's definitely a thing there's a bonus podcast from when we were um uh, uh we just finished publishing our book and we did like a three-hour conversation with the editor, Pelavia. That's somewhere in the Patreon content. Um, so yeah, give us some give us some money so that we can uh, continue doing this stuff. That was the pitch of all pitches right there. That was a pitchy pitch if I've ever heard one. Yeah. So, all right. Thanks, uh, as always, for listening. Come back next week, Dark Matter, with uh, by Blake Crouch with Misty Bennett. Until then, I'm Livia Snedden. And I'm Rob Olson. Keep reading.